0: Hello, and welcome to another DBSA podcast, which, if you've been with us for a while, you know that stands for Dear Bitches and Smart Authors. But iTunes doesn't like that title. So we went with the super... Memorable and very boring DBSA Romance Fiction Podcast. Hi, I'm glad you're here. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me today is Amanda, who reviews for Smart Bitches and was also our intern, both for Jane and myself for the Dubwaha and for Smart Bitches Trashy Books for about two years, I think. Was it two years? I have no concept of time. It's kind of a problem. Anyway, Amanda and I sit down to talk about New Adult because she is square in the middle of the age demographic for New Adult. We talk about whether or not the genre represents her life experiences, and we talk about a recent webinar that she listened in on because she was curious about the new adult genre and wanted to learn more about it. We talk about sex in YA and new adult novels that might predate new adult. This podcast is brought to you by Berkeley. Publisher of Reaper's Stand, the latest bad boy biker romance in Joanna Wilde's edgy, sizzling Reaper's Motorcycle Club series. You might recognize that because last week Courtney Milan mentioned that she was reading it and that she liked it too. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I will have information at the end of the podcast about who this is and where you can buy it for your very, very own. And now, without any further delays, on with the podcast how you
1: doing i'm good apparently there's something going on in my neighborhood not yet but it's called honk fest and what (laughs) and like a bunch of like folk bands are gonna be like playing all around the neighborhood fabulous (laughs) but it's like rainy and gross out it's very gross
0: here i wouldn't want to stand outside and listen to a band i wouldn't want to play if i were in a band it's really nasty
1: yeah, it is, but maybe it'll be canceled. Who knows?
0: Well, it's it's Boston. You can't cancel because bad weather, because you'll never have anything.
1: <laughs> this is true. I'm. It's Boston. Yeah, I'm having trouble acclimating to the weather. Before in Florida, it's just, like sunny and hot all the time. You can just count on it being sunny. Count on it being hot. Maybe you'll get rain for like fifteen minutes. Right. But. Boston. It's like wind and rain, and then it's like eighty degrees, and now it's fifty degrees. It's, I can't. I can't keep up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you miss that. You miss the the nice balmy, humid consistency of Florida. Uh,
1: I wouldn't say I miss it. I just <laughs> I miss the consistency. I don't miss the actual weather.
0: I always like watching the forecasts for the you know the whole eastern side of the U.S. Because if <laughs> if, if there's gonna be a storm, and it's coming in from the shore, it's coming in off the ocean, and it's a snowstorm. Maybe New York will see, you know, a couple of inches and then it's like, Boston is dark purple of doom. (laughs) Boston, you're going to get four feet. Sorry. I
1: I always get antagonistic text messages from my parents and my brother. (laughs) (laughs) And my brother, I complained to him last fall. It was like November and I was freezing. He's like, oh, that sucks. I actually had to put a shirt on today.
0: I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, man, if I mess up my (laughs) tan line, I'm going to have arm tan. I know. I'm like, wow, I wish I had your life. So will you introduce yourself to people and tell them who you are and what you do? (laughs) I do a
1: lot of things. Um, So I am Amanda. I am a reviewer at Smart Bitches Trashy Books and your former wonderful intern, the best intern in the world. It's true. I'm not denying it. (laughs) I will give myself that title. Um, I'm also a grad student at Emerson College. I'm um, doing their publishing and writing program. I'm the publicity intern at Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in Boston. And I also write sporadically for Book Riot. So I never sleep ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's it. That's about me, I guess. Cool.
0: So when did you start reading romance?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, you are like 20, <laughs> 20, 25, 25, right?
0: You're so young, Jesus Christ! I'm the baby of the bitchery. You are Um, definitely the bitchery baby. (laughs)
1: Um, I would say romance didn't happen until maybe high school-ish. It's always been in in my family. Um, my nana would babysit me, and she had shelves and shelves of National Geographic and the old like Fabio. Because those are totally the same thing. Yeah, shelved right next to each other. Of course, in her little house. And then um my mom was huge into paranormal romances, huge. My dad built her like a floor to ceiling bookcase, and it's the entire length of a wall. Seriously? It
0: just, it's a thing of beauty. That's romantic right there. <laughs> like It is. That's that is significantly romantic as a gesture. <laughs> If you're listening and you're thinking, what could what could I get my wife or girlfriend? First, I want to know why you're listening to our podcast because that's awesome. And second, <laughs> you a bookshelf. Yeah, just a bookshelf. Go for the bookshelf.
1: And it's mostly her stuff. Like no one gets a space on that bookshelf.
0: <laughs> no one. <laughs> what one's books? Like that. What are her her paranormal keepers on the the, the wall of books? She, she
1: doesn't read romance anymore, but what she used to have, uh, she had Kelly Armstrong. Um, Christine Feehan, which is now has been put into a gigantic tub in the shed, it's just nothing but the Carpathian series
0: in that one tub. The Carpathians are relegated <laughs> to a tub in the shed. Yep, tub Ouch. well, shed. If, if you needed a statement as to the <laughs> um trends in romance subgenres, there's one right there. <laughs> no, um, she oh, had paranormal.
1: Laurel K. Hamilton. The Anita Blake and the Mary Gentry series.
0: Whoa! Did she stop with Anita Blake, or has she kept she going? She stopped. No, she stopped. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know where she stopped? Uh, Hard Hardcover, paperback,
1: paperbacks. Yeah. probably. Um, and that's that's actually how I started. She's like, they're so great, you have to read them. And I remember picking up the first book. I'm
0: like, this is boring,
1: and then. You know, I was like, well, I'll I'll give it another try because my mom just loves the crap out your, of it. Your
0: your 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 mom your mom gave you Anita Blake. Yep. yep. That's some hardcore sexy yeah. times too.
1: <laughs> I actually liked the Mary Gentry series a little better than Anita
0: Blake. There's a lot more sex in there. The whole point of the story is she's gotta have as much sex as possible. <laughs> I know. And then I like stopped probably the fifth book and I'm like,
1: okay, this is it's just like the same thing over and mm-hmm. over and over and yeah. over again. I get the gist, and I don't care <laughs> anymore.
0: There's a certain part point of Hamilton exhaustion, and I'm always curious where readers hit it. It's either when the books got too expensive, or the plot went nowhere, or a character that they loved was turned into someone who was just deplorably awful and gross, or they just got tired of the nonstop bonking.
1: I, I think I, I was about five books in each, in either series
0: before I, I stopped. Yep. I completely understand that.
1: But, and I kind of, I will admit that I love books where, so I'm over the whole love triangle thing. Like, uh, and usually like the losing dude gets the next book. Like that's his story, the second book in the series. But I just love it when a lady and her, you know, suitors can sit down like adults and be like, you know what? We're all into each other. We're all attractive. Let's just have a good time and have like a little sex commune. For there's a, while. a whole subgenre <laughs> of that too. I love it. I think it's great. So but it, I don't know, there's gotta be some like advancement in in what's going on. Either have it as like a standalone novel or just do something with it and not have like three hundred pages of Sex with maybe like a page or two of plot in between
0: somewhere. Yeah, no, couldn't do it. So you want erotic content, tension, and a plot? I know I'm asking a lot. I know it's so much. <laughs> You're, we need to work on your expectations. <laughs> we we really need to work on that.
1: I know it's a little high. I need to maybe lower the bar. A so
0: when you moved from Florida to Boston because the weather is so great there, <laughs> what books did you bring with you?
1: Okay, I could only take the books I had not read.
0: Oh, g- whoa. Good, good call. Some people bring the ones that they have to reread and they have to have with them.
1: I have a few of those that I brought with me, and most of them aren't romances. Like, I have my Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is, like, falling apart. Um, and I brought that. And what else did I bring? I brought a copy of *Feed*. By Mira Grant, which I love. That's the Newsflash series. Yeah, was so good. And there's like a brother sister dynamic and feed and someone with a brother. Like it, it gets me. It gets me right in the feels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it great when there's like realistic sibling relationships between sisters and brothers? or just yeah. or just just like i like you know there's it's very common to have a whole bunch of brothers and they're all going to be heroes that's that i've seen i've seen that a lot and there's the sisters who all match up and have complicated relationships and they usually you know drink wine together but the brother sister <laughs> relationship i love
1: i feel and sometimes i feel like it's tough to do because sometimes writers will just make the brother kind of like an antagonist in a Mm -hmm. way. And he's
0: like the gatekeeper to the
1: woman's relationship. Yes.
0: That's the biggest flaw I have with the whole tension of, well, this is my, I'm attracted to my brother's best friend. I get it in a setting where they're younger, like new adult or YA. I get that. But when they're all adults, who cares? It's like mind mind your own business. (laughs) Like, Dude, I don't get that as attention when they're all old enough to be like grown-ups and not being carded anymore.
1: Yeah. No. And I I mean, I love my brother, but I would never ask his advice on <laughs> relationships. Actually. Does he
0: ever ask you for advice?
1: No, my brother's very private about like his relationship. I usually hear that he has a girlfriend, like secondhand knowledge. Like, oh did you hear your brother has a girlfriend now? I was like, Nope. Nope.
0: Had no idea. Didn't,
1: didn't know about that. And then So, I'm going to embarrass my brother, but he's not going to listen to this podcast.
0: I'll email it to him. (laughs) Hey, you don't Um, know me, but you need to listen to this.
1: He was taking – he has a girlfriend now, and he was, like, going to take her out for, like, a one-month anniversary to this really nice sushi place. And my mom found out, or she told me, and she tells me, Amanda, I can only tell you this, and Zachary, who's my brother – told me that if I tell you he's going out on a date for his one-month anniversary, you are not allowed to post anything on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Fine. I guess. I fine. won't embarrass him.
0: That's fine. <laughs>
1: that was the rule. So I didn't. I didn't post anything on Facebook. But I did send him some antagonizing texts about neither, it. Neither, neither. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we were going to talk about New adult. Yes, we were. Which is interesting because you are technically in I'm that technically demographic. A new adult. <laughs> you are technically in that demographic. <laughs> if your life were a story, it would be new adult. My life, my story would be
1: boring as hell. <laughs> like No one would read a new adult book about
0: it. Then she sat <laughs> at her computer. Weather. Yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and then she went outside and said, oh my God, what the hell is with this weather? And she avoided eye contact with strangers on the tea.
1: Like, it's just...
0: <laughs> although you were totally on the tee with redheaded girl, and you, and I you didn't. I was. I love this. It was so strange. Like, it was a packed
1: train, and she was standing next to me. I was like, I think this is redheaded girl. I think this is her. But I didn't want to like turn to her and, I feel like that'd be weird. <laughs> Just like gets off the train and like disappears and I sent her an email. I was like, Were you on the T stop at at this stop at this time? She's like, Yeah, I was. I was like, I was standing right next to you <laughs> in like a blue cardigan. She's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't even notice you because the train is full of like Tufts undergrads. So she just had like blinders on. And she actually lives like a mile and a half or like a couple miles away from me.
0: Okay, that's hilarious. I know. How strange is that? You're going to end up going to the same grocery store unless you have all your groceries delivered.
1: I don't. I actually like the grocery store experience.
0: I just go by myself. (laughs) I don't blame you because then you can get two (laughs) jars of Nutella and who's going to look at you funny? Well, everyone. They're like, why does she need that much Nutella? No, they're looking at you thinking, "God damn it! I hope there's Nutella left on the shelf. If she took it all, I'm going to kill her. Where's she going? I'm going to find her, mug her for her Nutella. I don't want to hurt you. Just give me the chocolate. No one gets hurt.
1: There's my new adult book right there. Yes, robbed for her Nutella. Robbed for my Nutella. Romantic suspense, new adult.
0: So you went, you went to or listened to or sat in a chair and attended a webinar on new adult.
1: Yeah, I went on my, I brought my laptop into work and I like sat in the break room on my lunch break and (laughs) listened to this webcast on new adult romance. So that's what I do. Why? Why? I was, because it just kind of exploded the whole new adult phenomenon. Um,
0: Is it weird to see it explode when it's technically your demographic?
1: I feel like, yes, maybe. um, Because I never realized that there was possibly a gap in the romance world um, where these stories weren't happening or maybe they were categorized as something else. Because I sure as hell don't remember reading a romance about a girl going to college that wasn't possibly YA. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just, I started seeing like the new adult category bracket on Amazon and it just exploded overnight in my opinion. And I just think it's really interesting. Do you read do you read any new adult? I'm starting to read more. Um I tend to get really frustrated with new adult Why? because my most of the time they're set in college and my I don't know, my like college experience wasn't the all-American college experience that you think of. Um so I don't know. And then we we've talked about this via email all of the the ladies about how most of the time in New Adult there's some kind of sexual assault backstory.
0: Mm-hmm. Growl, growl, growl. Yeah. Um
1: and you know, it kind of gets tiring reading about that as a backstory. Why can't everyone have a positive start to their college experience? and the
0: new adult novel would be about someone getting robbed for their Nutella, I guess. Yeah, well.
1: You win some, you lose some, I guess. I suppose.
0: my I say think I've said this before in email, and I'm not sure. I think I've said this on the podcast before. But my, my biggest frustration with sexual assault, as in, in the backstory of most heroines, especially a new adult, is that on one hand, I think that it's treated as a sort of shorthand to establish emotional depth and a painful history and something that the heroine will have to work on internally. On the other hand, all too often, the hero's mighty wang is the biggest cure that she needs. Yeah, and it's more rare that it's like, yeah, um, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> Moreover, it's so common that that way of dealing with it is also becoming more common. Mm-hmm. And what really burns my ass the most is that. <laughs> in statistical analysis most sexual assaults do not go reported so the actual number of women who have been sexually assaulted in some point in their history may actually be equal to or larger than the number of new adult heroines who've been sexually assaulted that might actually be a numerical (laughs) accuracy which is something we need to talk about but the way that it's handed handled as a as a character shortcut as a way of establishing emotional depth in a handful of words and lines you just say she was raped oh now i understand we have this common experience it's like no every experience is different and damn it and so on one hand you have this opportunity to accurately accurately resent represent a problem that is real for so many women but on the other hand it's like no it's not shorthand and it's not all the same and that way of dealing with it is a disservice. So on one hand, there's this great opportunity and on the other hand, it's like okay, but it's not a shorthand and not everyone deals with it by having tons and tons of sex or having never sex again because that one guy ruined everything. Like, it is not a cliche and when it's dealt with as a cliche, that pisses me off. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: and I don't think it's necessarily something that happens in just new adult, but maybe I think... We're all more conscious of it, given the whole was it like um, colleges across the country and how they're not handling sexual assault cases properly and
0: yeah, they're brushing them all, under the rug for the yeah. sake of athletics.
1: Yeah, maybe we're all on alert and it, it's just more in your face now. Who knows? They had six new adult authors um, during the this webinar. Podcast. Yeah, during the the webinar, uh, Nicole Chase, who does the Royal series, which I think Elise reviewed the first book.
0: Um, if I, part- I remember, at least said it was like, it was like a YA that had some sex in it.
1: Yeah, and that's actually funny you brought that up because one of the authors, Jay Lynn, she also writes. She's um,
0: Jennifer um, L. Armentro.
1: Yeah, um, so she writes adult and new adult, but she mentioned that new adult is not just sexed up YA.
0: I which agree I'm, with her there.
1: Yeah. Um, Cora Carmack, who does the Losing It series, which I really, really like.
0: Really um, awesome.
1: I liked it, yeah. And then she has a new one, which is like a I don't know, like a sports new adult one. Uh, I haven't read the first book all lined up, but the second book, um, she talked about sounds hilarious, where the heroine is kind of like a social justice activist sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and the hero is a football player, and they meet in, like, jail overnight. Like, she gets arrested for a demonstration or something. <laughs> and so they meet in, like, the like the hangover cell or whatever. At... <sighs> oh, no. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. So I'm looking forward to picking that up and reading it sometimes. They had um, Jay Crownover, and all of her covers are just, like, sexy tattooed men. Yep. And I actually, after listening to that, I picked up the first book, which is Rule, R-U-L-E. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. And then Sophie Jordan, who also, I believe, writes historicals. Yes. The webinar is also for any, it's up, like, taped for anyone to listen to. Oh, so cool. Pass that link along. But Send me the link. Yeah. So there were six of them, and they just talked about themselves and what they thought about the the new adult genre, and Jay Lynn, I think, summed it up really well. Like, it doesn't have to be about college, though that I think is the most common setting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's typically characters between like 18 and 25. Um, so I barely nudge in there. As you're, <laughs> like me in,
0: you're like me in Generation X. I am the tail, tail, tail end of gener- <laughs> Generation X. Anytime there's like a BuzzFeed list, I'm like, yeah, 90% of that doesn't apply to me, but I'm in
1: that area. And she said that new adult is mainly about dealing with firsts without, like, the safety net of of your parents and that security. Um, so I thought that was a really good way to put it. Um, so, like, your first life after high school, maybe, like, your first real relationship, your first apartment on your own. Yep. Just- I thought it was great. So, um, and in historical romances... We probably get heroines that fall in that 18 to 25-year-old range because... Their
0: lives are totally different.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you're 25 and unmarried, you're a spinster and you might as well just set up shop in a rickety house somewhere and...
0: Get yourself some cats and call it a day.
1: Yep. Um, so I thought it was... I don't know. I thought it was neat that we have, like, this little... I don't want to say bubble because I feel like it's a negative connotation, but this little... um world that seemed untouched by romance before Um, i think
0: it was touched by romance it just wasn't labeled accurately
1: i haven't maybe you can help me like like novels that romance novels that predate the new adult
0: moniker novels that are new adult that predate new adult yeah all right well twilight would you count Twilight as new adult? Yes. She's in high school, but it's all firsts. She's away from her mom, her dad is minimal supervision. It's her first uh, first days in school, first real experience, first And she she gets into that age range like 18ish. Mm-hmm. Twilight, 50 Shades of Grey totally counts as new adult. Yeah. Well, see that's a weird cross genre. It's totally a weird cross genre, yeah. but I see it as having a lot of those hallmarks. See, here's this is my theory, my theory on New Adult. Um, so you remember Chicklit? Yes. So did do. you read any of it? A little bit. Okay. So all of Chicklit was first-person stories about young women, and remember this was a completely different economic time period. So it was a lot more affluent. There was a lot more luxury mentioning. There was a lot more high-end shopping. There was a lot of shopping. Um, it was a very giddy, affluent es- establishment of autonomy for first-person perspective heroines. And there was sex and there was, you know, your first job and your first massive fuck up and your first relationship and your first apartment. All of those things that happen in New Adult, a lot of them happen in chick lit. But but in chick lit, romance was much more secondary. New Adult is that same set of themes located in a terrible economy where there's not as bright a future (laughs) for the people in the same ages because we all have debt and there's I mean, I can't say we because I am so far out of that demographic. <laughs> it's not even funny. But they, the protagonists have debt. There is not a lot of jobs. They are probably struggling in more than one area of their lives autonomously. All of their firsts are much, much harder and much more painful. So those, those same themes that existed in Chiclet also exist in New Adult. So my theory is that genres don't completely die. They break and then they reform in other ways. And, the, and if you can see the parents of a particular genre, then you're, what you're seeing is an evolving trend. So for me, new adult is the remnants of chick lit and the aging and emotional development of you, of young, young adult, of YA, with additional sexual tension. I'm not saying it's YA plus sex, but the absence of sexuality in YA is something that YA has a problem with. Because there's some people in YA who are like, no, we cannot have sex because it sends the wrong message. And I'm like... Those people are having sex. Don't delude yourself. <laughs> and when we did a podcast with John Jacobson, he was saying, you know, it's, it's really helpful for me as a young gay male to see healthy sexual relationships for people my age because I am interested in having sex. I am a young male. I'm a young person who has a sex drive. This, this is an accurate representation of what is actually happening. And I understand the issues with having sex in YA. But that frustration gets bigger and bigger because people are having sex in the YA demographic age range. So you have YA and all of the internal emotional angst and the inner conflict and all of that really awful, disgusting stuff that happens puberty and post-puberty when you not only figure out who you are, but have to deal with all of the painful crap of figuring out who you are, plus all of the firsts and the autonomy of what's left of chick lit merging with sexual tension in a bad economy. And presto, you have what? New adult that's my recipe that was beautiful thank you (laughs) I am as full of shit as anybody so it's possible that I'm wrong but that is my theory
1: well the whole sex and YA thing and I think this goes with reading in general Mm -hmm. we we definitely read to you know escape and enjoy and entertain but I think we also read any genre it doesn't have to be romance doesn't have to be YA doesn't have to be nonfiction. but we Mm -hmm. read to find Experiences that mirror our own.
0: Oh, absolutely. We want to see characters in some way that represent our own experiences, which is why I get frustrated at the lack of accurate sexual representation in many many aspects of the romance genre, and I get angry about the absence of minorities, and the absence of cultural issues, and and the and the absence of those people on the covers, for God's sake. <laughs> when you read any new adult that you've enjoyed, have you do you think it accurately represents your experience?
1: Um, I don't, oh, it's tough. It's a tough one. So far, I don't think I've read any new adult that, I don't know, captures my new adult experience in real life. There are universal themes, I think, you know, I recognize and I, I...
0: and there's, it's, it's a really powerful thing, I think, to read a book and go, holy shit, that's me.
1: Yeah, like, um, a heroine could be struggling with depression in a new adult book. But her experience probably might not touch on my experience with depression as a freshman right. in college. Right. Um, so I haven't found one that I'm like, oh my god, this speaks to me. Right. New levels. Right. Um, but you know, there are cases where we're like, okay, I know I know this situation. I know what this is like, I know, I get it. Um I still I'm like straddling the fence with new adults. I have read some really awful, awful, awful new adults.
0: You don't say.
1: Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. I don't want to, like, name names, but, oh.
0: You can if you wish to, <laughs> but you don't have to. That's one of the things that I find fascinating about the new adult genre and YA, YA as well. There's there just there such a,
1: a glut of stuff.
0: Yes, there, there, and there's also a theme of emotional intensity that I think carries forward into... New adult, that I think some readers really crave and they don't get it from contemporary romance. I also think that one of the problems that we have as a readership is that the terms that we use that come from publishing are too broad. So if I say contemporary romance and I say, I really love contemporary romance, and you go, oh my God, me too, I could be talking about, you know, Jill Shalvis and Any number of really sexy contemporary, like J.C. Burton, and you could be talking about Debbie Maycomer and Susan Mallory, and those are both contemporary romance, but you have to add more words to describe the differences. I agree. So what readers do, I think, is we develop terminology to effectively label what it is that we want so we can find more of it. One thing New Adult delivers is that emotional intensity of of an incredible amount of internal development and internal conflict. The inner emotions of the characters are so very important to the strength of the story and I think one of the things that readers crave in that particular genre is that intensity. Plus Jane pointed out in an earlier podcast that what hurts a genre is everyone glutting in it, like everyone reading as much as they can as much as they can as fast as they can. And with new adult that exhaustion is going to play out sooner because the way in which we can overdose on books now happens so much faster because we yeah. can get them anytime, anywhere. We don't have to wait for the store to be open. Whereas if you think about the strength of the genres that were strong before ebooks became so prevalent, I mean, how long was paranormal like the biggest genre? It was on um,
1: top for a while. Right. Oh, if we God. had had
0: ebooks, if we had been able to satisfy our desire for more of those books, if we had had self-publishing where people could directly deliver to us very quickly what it was that we wanted – would paranormal romance have been popular as long as it was? I don't know. I don't think so, though.
1: I also thought it was interesting that paranormal romance or certain authors in paranormal romance are published in, like, hardcover, mm-hmm. yep. which is something you might not see of, like, you know, J.C. Burton,
0: necessarily. No, it's it's weird what, <laughs> what goes into hardcover. I think that one of the things that attracts hardcover, though, is the mystery thriller element. Mm-hmm. The stronger that is, the more likely I think. But I could be like I said, I'm as full of shit as anybody.
1: I think like The King by J.R. Ward was on. I saw it on like the New York Times hardcover list yeah. for like
0: two weeks. That that book was that that book was huge. It was huge,
1: huge. Though so I jumped off the Black Dagger Brotherhood the whole J.R. Ward thing a long time ago.
0: But the thing about The King was that it it returned to the characters from the first book. If you're gonna grab people like that, was a way to say to people who had left the series, hey. Remember those first two? We're going back to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Like the, the bitten series, when you revisit Elena and Clay, the people who were fans of Elena and Clay are gonna be like, What? Yes, put give it to me now, right now. See,
1: I'm I feel like I'm the minority. I like it when a series has like a, a world and we like focus on little couples in, in the
0: world. The common world.
1: Yeah, and yes. like when a series kind of lingers on a couple for too long, I feel my attention kind of strays. Like, I believe Nalini's, what is it? The angel book, I, the guild huntress. The, Am I uh, making sense? Yeah,
0: the guild hunter, <laughs> whatever it is. The angel, the archangel series.
1: Yeah, like the first couple books focus is on um, Raphael and Elena. Was that my name? Oh, it's been so long. Uh, anyway, yeah. And I'm like, well, when did I want to know about the other people? Like, I'm I'm curious about the other people. Okay, we, we get it. what you what you two are about. I I like the moving around.
0: I like that too. I like when you get into a world and you can visit lots of characters. But the problem is when the world gets so big, you enter in a world where there's no stakes because nothing's going to happen to any of those people. Like the Bridgertons, you know, like, the Bridgertons is the safest regency universe in the world. Nothing <laughs> bad is going to happen to any of those people because they're all hero and heroines from previous books. But the
1: one caveat to that is Cressley Cole's Immortals After Dark series. I will eat that up with a spoon.
0: But see, there is still a larger issue playing out in those books because all of them have been building towards a a catastrophic event. Yes. And Mm -hmm. it hasn't happened yet. No, it's getting there.
1: It's getting pretty close. Clock's winding down. There's got to be at least three more books in this series. I'm trying to back my brain with how many people are left unpaired? And mm-hmm. I think there's at least three more. Nix's oh. book has got to happen. I think that's got to be the big final one. Maybe.
0: Do you think that that'll be the one that happens during the great catastrophic event?
1: Nix, or
0: or I think it's like
1: Christoph and Furies or Fury's book. Um, she's trapped under the ocean. By the way, for anyone who
0: oh, who's new to the
1: series, she's trapped, forced to like drown. And then come back to life over and over and over again. So if you think your Mondays are bad.
0: Is that the series that you're going to keep reading? And you don't get tired of it?
1: No, I don't. I love all of them. Obviously, I have my favorites. I think we're up to, what, book 13, 14 now? And I would say that's the longest series I've stayed with. Wow. Yeah.
0: I think this the, uh, you know what the series I stated longest was, Sweet Valley High. No, I think I read the, I think I read those things into the, 30s or the 40s or some shit, and, and you know they, they just they, uh, they just kept on going. I those were my gateway. I read those one after another after another. Ah, loved them so much.
1: Yeah, so we actually, my friends and I were talking about the Babysitters Club. Oh, together.
0: I love those books too, and they were, but they were way below where I was age-wise, but I loved the stories.
1: I didn't know that there was a spin-off series that I read, but I didn't know it was a spin-off series. <laughs> um, but it was Dawn's series, like her out in California, and she's like a teenager. It's like the California Diaries. I read those as a child. I think no way. some Like really serious stuff like eating disorders and drugs and like runaway teenagers. And that was my like series I stayed with, I think, in terms of like weird romance YA, serious issues type. I remember my grandmother would not buy them for me because they're inappropriate. Really? Yeah. Well, I have three sets of grandparents because I come from a divorced family and one set is deeply religious. She would take me to a bookstore, but she was like, you can't buy that, and I'm not buying that for you. Whoa. I <laughs> had, like, a list of, I don't know if I if I should buy this for you. So I had to pick more wholesome reads when she'd take me to bookstores. Whoa. No California Diaries for me. Wow. <laughs> and then I have a mother who's like, here, read Anita Blake.
0: <laughs> yeah, you had a wide, uh, <laughs> you, you had a, well, yeah, that, wow.
1: That was before, like, the weird threesome started, though, in Anita Blake.
0: Yeah, well, there was, I am I, going to have to look this up because I cannot remember the specific person who said this in the comments. But at some point, she became a gleaming orifice. <laughs> oh, gross. And that's really all she is. Orifice is one of those words that makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah.
1: but like her magic was built around sex and just doing it and. Yes, it was all sex and doing it. All sex magic. Totally. That's it. That's all she's got.
0: I got mad when a character I like became a character who I was expected to hate. And there was no real reason for that character's motivations and behaviors to have changed. Like there was no reason for that to happen. Why did that have to happen? I like that character. All right, I'm done now. I'm very touchy and I get very pissy about things and I fully own this about myself. Like I had to stop reading the Harry Potter series because I didn't entirely trust where J.K. Rowling was going with the story and I wanted to know what happened before I kept reading. That's fair. And I, if I don't trust that the the characters or the story or the writer or the writers know what they're doing. I, I can't commit because I get upset when there's, like I said, characters who just become horrible for no rational reason. This is why I struggle with watching TV because I don't trust TV writers to <laughs> actually want to tell a story that has like a beginning and then a middle and then an end because the point of television in the States is not necessarily to have an end. The point is to get renewed and then renewed and then get into yeah. syndication and then get into more syndication. And so you don't actually have a story with an end. You have episodes in a repeated world where nothing changes much. I'm looking at you lost. You don't say. <laughs> you don't say. So I, I struggle with picking up new television shows. Like there is this new show. Have you heard about this on Monday? Jane the Virgin. Sounds familiar. Okay, but So it was originally a Mexican telenovela called Juana la Virgen. And the thing about telenovelas is that they have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Like I clearly should be watching television in other countries because they do <laughs> miniseries and it's like beginning, middle, end, done. You want to watch it again? Let's do that. Like, I should totally be watching every other country's television, just not ours. Jane the Virgin is about a 23-year-old virgin who accidentally gets artificially inseminated. Oh, that's right. I saw something on that. Yes. So according to EW, her mom thinks it's immaculate conception. and And then the sperm that she received is from a guy that she kissed one time. And he's a cancer survivor. He's married to somebody who is cheating on with one of her husband's friends. And the friend is being investigated by Jane's boyfriend, who's a detective. So there's all this drama. Oh, my and God. And I so want to watch this. I cannot even tell you. My husband's like, you're excited about a TV show. Are you okay? Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, we we must record this. Clear the Pokemon from the DVR. The kids, the kids will suffer.
1: Oh, they won't be able to tell if they missed an episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, they won't be able to tell. What books are you reading that you most recommend right now? Oh my gosh, that's so tough. I know it's a horrible question. I'm so mean when I ask it.
1: It's a horrible question. I'm reading like a million different things. Oh, you um, you buffet your books? Oh yeah, I read like three to four books at
0: a time. <laughs> oh, see, that's a sign that I am not into anything. If I start buffeting all my books,
1: there are some where like I'll just straight read that, but mm-hmm. normally I have like I don't know different things going. Well, one book that I finished a couple, like, I think in September, but I'm telling everyone that it's amazing, like, everyone I talk to, it's not romance necessarily. It's called The Bees by Laylene Paul, and it was recommended by Margaret Atwood, and I will read anything she tells me. It is about bees, like, straight-up, legitimate bees, but it's, like, science fiction, and it's, like, a Cinderella story, and... It's amazing. It's great. It's amazing. And I loved it. And I I bought it in hardcover with my own money and I'm recommending it. In terms of romances, I did, I've been in a sports kick. So I'm catching up on the J.C. Burton series, the play-by-play series. I think I've read books one through three and I'm not sure how many are in the series, but I'm definitely going through those. And then I picked up Knowing the Score by Kat Latham, Latham, I'm sorry if she listens to Completely Butchered Her Name, but it's about an American girl and a rugby player, so who doesn't love a guy with an accent? Does something interesting in the beginning? I wouldn't say it's a spoiler because you read it in the first five pages. Um,
0: if it's in the first five pages, it's totally fair game. Yeah. So, so go he, ahead. Yeah, he's like a rugby player and, you know,
1: like sports guys have a great life and they do things that they shouldn't, and they party it up. So he like winds up having sex with these two girls. I'm assuming it's not graphic; it's just mentioned. Right. Um. But he didn't like ID the girls. So like one was like three months shy of her 18th birthday. Ouch. Yep. So not I thought real. That
0: was,
1: I thought that was really interesting.
0: People make those stupid
1: mistakes, and not just
0: men. Plus, you have the fact that um, athletes are like the new billionaires. You know, they're the ones with status and money and a great deal of social power. Vivian Aaron says that uh, billionaires are the new vampires and rock stars are the new werewolves. And I think that yes. athletes are the new billionaires. Or athletes I can get
1: on the rock stars train. I cannot.
0: I'm I struggle with it too. I'm I'm not all there.
1: I can't do it. I don't know why.
0: I like it if the rock star turns out to be a hideously normal person. <laughs> I haven't read any books
1: like that i did read recently speaking of um lovely poly relationships and rock stars um i did pick up laid bare by lauren dane i think it was on sale a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and i've been wanting to read it and we don't have it at the library in boston which for shame boston public library
0: isn't uh Aren't you as a student? Do you get access to other libraries? I don't know, I mean the the BPL library is huge, right? But they don't have beautiful. that book.
1: No, they didn't have it. Um, and also I think it was Shayla Black's like the Decadent series. I, oh. I read the first one, and I'm dying to read the second
0: one. Y- you you they- know about our review of that book, right? no oh wait a minute you don't know about the decadent review no (gasps) oh my god i am the worst person ever for never having made this okay (laughs) this is easily one of the most famous reviews on the site this was written by candy it was written in 2008 and it is one of the most if not the most popular and well-known entry on i oh my god i feel horrible that you don't know about this because i'm looking
1: at right now it's
0: amazing it's it's just incredible i mean i didn't like decadent i'll be i didn't like it well neither did
1: she (laughs) i see that with the big d minus yes (laughs) um but the second book sounded interesting but the bpl doesn't have the second but they have the third of course they do yeah but Laid Bare, the heroine, is a former rock star. Yes. Um, and then there's like a nice little polyamorous triangle thing going on where everyone's just into everyone and it's lovely and Yeah, Lauren
0: healthy. Dane does a lot of triads. Yeah, no. Which, I, but wait, wait, let me just re-say that. <laughs> Somewhere Lauren, sorry, 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 so, Lauren, so, okay. where Lauren's like, well, wait a minute. Well, what? yeah. Lauren Dane's her, her characters, she writes a lot of triad relationships. Also, um, uh, Lorelai James in her Rough Rider series.
1: Oh, my God, I love
0: that series. <laughs> the triad in that series, I thought it was so well done. So well done. Because one of the characters had to be like, I'm usually not attracted to women. This is weird. Yeah, yeah. but I really like
1: how both Lauren Jane and Lorelai James kind of touch on that sexuality is, is fluid. Yep. It's not like, for some people it could be, you know, black and white. Some people are like that. But I yeah. think for most people, sexuality is a fluid thing. You have like the, the Kinsey scale and where you fall on it. Um, but yeah, I... I liked Laid Bare in that aspect. I mean, I had some problems with parts of the book, but the the sexual relationships and the relationships between the three individuals in the book I thought were great. So more of that, please.
0: A triad where the triad itself isn't the only tension that sustains the story, Mm -hmm. that is quite good. I mean, there's plenty of stuff to work out with three people. There's already plenty of internal tension that's built into that kind of a setup, but it, it's also good when it's not the only thing that is a problem.
1: And the, the triad in Laid Bare like wasn't the focus of right. the story, right? which I liked. It was kind of like a means of coping with things and dealing with things, and that presented like another set of challenges, like, how am I going to tell my parents that I'm in this unorthodox, unconventional relationship, but right. there's a bigger... Issue going on like the heroines like PTSD and stuff like that
0: right so. and also if the whole idea that you are struggling with what other people are going to think of what you do is a major piece of conflict that's too fragile I think unless there's mm-hmm. a real reason why other people's condemnation is going to have a serious effect on your life most of the time you just have to break your give a shit like, you either have to choose between your happiness or making other people who aren't part of your life happy. And ultimately, what you want is a character to be self-actualized enough to choose their own happiness and to be like, you know what? You don't like it? Tough shit. Well,
1: in the words of Wilson Phillips, you got to break free from the chains so. there.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> because if you're going to have a, a, a massive theology driving your life, Wilson Phillips is the best place to start. No question. Of course. <laughs> but when I have a character who's like, I can't do this. What will everyone say about me? I'm like, that no. I'm done. Like, I, I need, uh, okay. I can see that in YA. I totally buy it because you, you are not in control of your own life. And I see it in New Adult when you're trying to figure out who you are. But when you're talking about a character who is isn't in a place where other people's opinions are going to actually control her life, if the whole thing is, what are people going to say? Oh, honey, stop giving a shit. That's I the first of, thing.
1: Especially when it comes to a sexual relationship when it's no one else's business.
0: One, I, one thing I like about the idea that sexuality is fluid is that there's so many more representations of sexuality now in, in the romance genre. Yes. It's not just gay and heterosexual. There's multiple partners. There's polyamory. There's an increasing number of books featuring women, and that's awesome. There's trans-amory. Is that a thing that I just – that's not the right word. There are trans people <laughs> having romances. It's not transamory. It was, that I sounds think... like it sounds like a forum to dedicated to Pontiac cars. <laughs> this is the Trans Amory. Come talk about your car. So that is not the right term. I apologize. Yikes! But um,
1: yeah. Well, Carrie just reviewed was it Static by L. A. Wit, where um the person's gender changes. Yes. And she loved it. And I thought that I'm. I'm really tempted to read it because it just sounds really, really interesting. Totally.
0: There's the there's a science fiction series where the characters shift genders. There's uh, L. H. Causeway's painted faces. But yeah. There's a lot of there's a there's more representation of diverse sexualities, which is awesome.
1: It's been on my like to read list forever. I've been dying to read it. There's, you should totally read
0: it. What's what's holding you back? All the other books. <laughs> <laughs> you mean all the other books that you have in front of you that you want to read? yeah (laughs) oh welcome to life this is this is the best (laughs) problem to have
1: it is i mean there are worse problems to have besides what book do i have to read they're all so good
0: and that is all for this week's episode i hope you enjoyed it future podcasts will feature me and jane probably together talking about romance but i'm assuming you knew that The music that you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is called Percolator, and this track is from their album, Pedal Horse. You can find the album at iTunes and on Amazon, and I will have links to both locations should you wish to own it. It's very mellow. I like mellow. This podcast is brought to you by Berkley, publisher of Reaper's Stand, the latest bad boy biker romance in Joanna Wilde's edgy, sizzling Reaper's Motorcycle Club series. I will have information in the podcast entry about that book. Plus all of the books that Amanda mentioned, I will link to those too. I know there's a few people who are like, but, but stop talking so quickly. I need to write them down. You don't have to just come to the website. There'll be an entry. All of the books are linked. It's fabulous. You just go shopping. It's great. If you would like to offer suggestions or you have ideas, or you think you would be a really good podcast interview, Dude, totally email us, sbjpodcast at gmail.com or 1201371-DBSA. You should tell us your ideas, and if you think you'd be a great interview, we would really like to hear about it. In the meantime, Amanda and Jane and I all wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.